welcome back to Reading with Jess. Today we're going to finish up part two of The Perks of Being a Wallflower. I'm really sorry that it took so long to get here, um, and excuse um, the slight lisp, lips, lisp, sorry, I will have today. I just got a new Invisalign tray. I hope it doesn't bother any, it bother any of you, and as always, feel free to reach out at readingwjess on Instagram or Gmail. Okay, let's get started. December 23rd, 1991. Dear friend, Sam and Patrick left with their family for the Grand Canyon yesterday. I don't feel too bad about it because I can still remember Sam's kiss. It feels peaceful and right. I even considered not washing my lips like they do on TV. But then I thought it would get too gross. So instead I spent today walking around the neighborhood. I even got out my old sled and my old scarf. There is something cozy about that for me. I walked over to the hill where we used to go on sled. There were a lot of little kids there. I watched them flying, doing jumps, and having races, and I thought that all those little kids are going to grow up someday, and all of those little kids are going to do the things that we do, and they will all kiss someone someday. But for now, sledding is enough. I think it would be great if sledding were always enough, but it isn't. I'm really glad that Christmas and my birthday are soon, because that means they will be over soon, because I can already feel myself going to a bad place I used to go. After my Aunt Helen was gone, I went to that place. It got so bad that my mom had to take me to a doctor, and I was held back a grade. But now, I'm trying not to think about it too much, because that makes it worse. It's kind of like when you look at yourself in the mirror and say your name, and it gets to a point where none of it seems real. Well, sometimes I can do that, but I don't need an hour in front of the mirror. It happens very fast, and things start to slip away. I just open my eyes, and I see nothing. And then I start to breathe really hard, trying to see something, but I can't. It doesn't happen all the time, but when it does, it scares me. It almost happened this morning, but I thought of Sam's kiss and it went away. I probably shouldn't be writing about this too much because it brings it up too much. It makes me think too much. And I'm trying to participate. It's just hard because Sam and Patrick are in the Grand Canyon. Tomorrow I'm going with my mom to buy presents for everyone. And then we are celebrating my birthday. I was born on December 24th. I don't know if I ever told you that. It's It's a strange birthday to have because it's so close to Christmas. After that, we are celebrating Christmas with my dad's family and my brother. We'll be home for a little while. Then I'm going out to take my driver's test, so I will be busy while Sam and Patrick are gone. Tonight, I watched some television with my sister, but she didn't want to watch the Christmas specials that went on, so I decided to go upstairs and read. Bill gave me one book to read over break. It's The Catcher in the Rye. It was Bill's favorite book when he was my age. He said it was the kind of book you made your own. I read the first 20 pages. I don't know how I feel about it just yet, but it does seem appropriate to this time. I hope Sam and Patrick call on my birthday. It would make me feel much better. Love always, Charlie. December 25th, 1991. Dear friend, I'm sitting in my dad's old bedroom in Ohio. The family is still downstairs. I don't feel very well. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I'm starting to get scared. I wish we were going back home tonight, but we always sleep over. I don't want to tell my mom about it because it would just make her worry. I would tell Sam and Patrick, but they didn't call yesterday. And we left this afternoon. I hope they didn't call this afternoon because I wasn't there. I hope it's okay that I'm telling you this. I just don't know what else to do. I always get sad when this happens, and I wish Michael were still here. And I wish my Aunt Helen were here. I miss my Aunt Helen like this. Reading this book isn't helping either. I don't know. I'm just thinking too fast. Much too fast. It's like tonight. The family watched It's a Wonderful Life, which is a very beautiful movie. And all I could think was why didn't they make the movie about Uncle Billy? George Bailey was an important man in the town. Because of him, a bunch of people got to get out of the slums. He saved a town, and when his dad died, he was the only guy who could do it. He wanted to live an adventure, but he stayed behind and sacrificed his dreams for the better good of the community. And then what made him sad, and then when that made him sad, he was going to kill himself. 
he was going to die because his life insurance money would have taken care of his family. And then an angel comes down and shows him what life would be like if he had never been born, how the whole town would have suffered, and how his wife would have been an old maid. And my sister didn't even say anything about how that's such an old-fashioned thing this year. Every other year, she says something about how Mary was working for a living, and just because she's not married, it doesn't mean that she's worthless. But this year, she didn't. I didn't know why. I thought it might be about that secret boy of hers, or maybe it's just what happened, or maybe it's what happened in the car on the way over to our grandma's house. I just wanted the movie to be about Uncle Billy because he drank a lot and he was fat and lost the money in the first place. I wanted the angel to come down and show us how Uncle Billy's life had meaning. Then I think I'd feel better. It started yesterday at home. I don't like my birthday. I don't like it at all. I went shopping with my mom and sister, and my mom was in a bad mood because of the parking spaces and lines, and my sister was in a bad mood because she couldn't buy her secret boy a present and hide it from mom. She would have had, she would have to come back herself later, and I felt weird, really weird, because I was walking around all the stores. I didn't know what present my dad would like to receive from me. I knew what to buy or give Sam and Patrick, but I didn't know what I could buy or give or make for my own dad. My brother likes posters of girls and beer cans. My sister likes a haircut gift certificate. My mom likes old movies and plants. My dad only likes golf. And that is not a winter sport, except for in Florida. And he and we don't live there. And he doesn't play baseball anymore. He doesn't like to even be reminded unless he tells us stories. I just wanted to know what to buy my dad because I love him. And I don't know him. And he doesn't like to talk about things like that. Well, why don't you chip in with your sister and buy him that sweater? I don't want to. I want to buy him something. What kind of music does he like? My dad doesn't listen to music a lot anymore, and the stuff he likes, he has. What kind of books does he like to read? My dad doesn't read books too much anymore because he listens to books on cassette tapes on the way to work, and he gets them free from the library. What kind of movies? What kind of anything? My sister decided to buy the sweater on her own, and she started to get mad at me because she needed time to come back to the store just to buy that present for her secret boyfriend. Just buy him some golf balls, Charlie. Jesus. But that's summer sport. Mom, would you make him buy something? Charlie, calm down. It's okay. I felt so sad. I didn't know what was going on. Mom was trying to be really nice because when I get like this, she is the one that tries really hard to keep things calm. I'm sorry, Mom. No, don't be sorry. You want to get a nice present for your father? That's a good thing. Mom! My sister was getting really mad. Charlie, you can buy your father whatever you want. I know he'll love it. Now calm down. It's okay. My mom took me to four different stores. Each one, my sister just sat in the nearest chair and groaned. I finally found the perfect store. It was a movie place, and I found a video cassette at the last episode of MASH without the commercials, and I felt a lot better. Then I started telling mom about how we all watched it together. She, she knows Charlie. She was there. Let's go. Duh. My mom told my sister to mind her own business, and she listened to me tell that story that she already knew, leaving out the part about my dad crying because that was our little secret. My mom even told me how I tell stories very well. I love my mom, and this time I told her I loved her, and she told me she loved me, and things were okay for a little while. We were sitting at the dinner table waiting for my dad to come home with my brother from the airport. He was really late, and my mom started to worry because it was snowing really hard outside, and she kept my sister at home because she needed help with dinner. She wanted it to be extra special for my brother and for me because he was coming home, and it was my birthday. But my sister just wanted to buy her boyfriend a present. She was in a really bad mood. She was being like those bratty girls in the movies after, from the 1980s, and my mom kept saying young lady after every sentence. My dad finally called and said that he, because of the snow, my brother's plane was going to be very late. I just heard my mom's side of the discussion. But it's Charlie's birthday dinner. I don't expect you to do anything about it. Did he miss it? I'm just asking. I didn't say it was your fault. No. I can't keep it warm. It'll be dry. What? But it's his favorite. Well, what am I supposed to feed them? Of course they're hungry. You're already an hour late. Well, you could have called. 
I don't know how long my mom was on the phone because I couldn't stay at the table and listen. I went into my room and read. I wasn't hungry anymore anyway. I just wanted to be in a quiet place. After a little while, my mom came into the room. She said that dad just called again and they should be home in 30 minutes. She asked me if anything was wrong. And I knew that she didn't mean my sister. And I knew that she didn't mean she and dad fighting on the phone because that stuff just happens sometimes. She just noticed that I looked very sad today and she didn't think it was my friends leaving because I looked okay yesterday when I came back from sledding. Is it is it your aunt Helen? It was the way she said it that started me feeling. Please don't do this to yourself, Charlie. But I did do it to myself, like I do every year on my birthday. I'm sorry. My mom wouldn't let me talk about it. She knows that I stop listening and start to breathe really fast. She covered my mouth and wiped up my tears. I calmed down enough to make it downstairs, and I calmed down enough to be glad when my brother came home. And when we ate dinner, it wasn't too dry. Then we went outside to put up the luminaria, which is an activity where all of our neighbors filled round paper bags with sand in the light and lined the street with them. Then we stick a candle in each bag of sand, and when we light the candles, it turns the street into a landing strip for Santa Claus. I love putting lumeria up every year because it is very a very beautiful tradition and a good distraction from my birthday my family gave me some really nice birthday presents my sister was so mad at me but she got me the smith's record anyway and my brother got me a poster signed by the whole football team my dad gave me some records that my sister told him to buy and my mom gave me some books she loved when she was a kid one of them was the catcher in the rye i started reading my mom's copy from the place i left off with Bill's coffee, and it made me not think about my birthday. All I thought was that I'm going to take my driver's test sometime soon enough. That was a pretty good thing to think about, and then I thought about my driver's education class this past semester. Mr. Smith, who is kind of short and smells funny, wouldn't let any of us turn on the radio as we rode around. There are also two sophomores, one boy and one girl. They used to secretly touch each other's legs in the back seat when it was my turn. Then there was me. I wish I had a lot of stories about my driver's education class. Sure, there were these movies about death on the highway, and sure, there were police officers coming to talk to us, and sure, it was fun to get to to get my learner's permit, but mom and dad said that they didn't want me driving until I was absent, until I, abs- I absolutely had to because insurance is so expensive, and I could never ask Sam to drive her pickup truck. I just couldn't. These kinds of things kept me calm the night of my birthday. The next morning, Christmas started at nice. Dad liked his copy of MASH a lot, which made me happy, especially when he told me his own story about the night that we watched it. He left out the part about him crying, but he winked at me, so I knew he remembered. Even the two-hour drive to Ohio was actually okay for the first half hour, even though I had to sit on the hump in the back seat because my dad kept asking questions about college and my brother kept talking. He's dating one of those cheerleaders who does flips during college football games. Her name is Kelly. My dad was very interested in that. My sister made some remark about how cheerleading is stupid and sexist, and my brother told her to shut up. Kelly was majoring in philosophy. I asked my brother if Kelly was unconventionally beautiful. No, she's hot beautiful. And my sister started talking about how the way a woman looks is not the most important thing. I agreed, but then my brother started saying how my sister was just a bitchy dyke. Then my mom told my brother to not use such language in front of me, which was strange considering I am probably the only one in the family with a friend who is gay. Maybe not, but one one who actually talks about it. I'm not sure. Regardless, my dad asked how my brother and Kelly met. My brother and Kelly met at a restaurant called Ye Old College Inn or something like that at Penn State. They supposedly had this famous famous dessert called grilled stickies. Anyway, Kelly was one of the soror- was with her sorority sisters, and they started to leave, and she dropped her book right in front of my brother, and she kept walking. My brother said that although Kelly denies this, he's sure that she dropped the book on purpose. 
the leaves were in full bloom when he caught up with her in front of the video arcade. That's how he described it anyway. They spent the rest of the afternoon playing old video games like Donkey Kong and feeling nostalgic. Which is, which as a general statement, I found sad and sweet. I asked my brother if Kelly drank cocoa. Are you high? And again, my mother asked, uh, my mom asked my brother not to use such language in front of me. Which was strange again, because I think I'm the only person in my family who's ever been high. Maybe also my brother. I'm not sure. Definitely not my sister. Then again, maybe my whole family has been high and we just don't tell each other these things. My sister spent the next ten minutes denouncing the Greek systems of sororities and fraternities. She kept telling stories of hazing and how kids have died before. She then told this one story about how she heard there was a sorority that made new girls stand in their underwear while they, they circled their fat in red mar magic markers. My brother had had enough of my sister at this point. Bullshit. I still can't believe my brother swore in the car and my dad or mom didn't say anything. I guess he's because he's in college now, it's all right. My sister didn't care about the word. She just kept going. It's not bullshit. I heard it. Watch your mouth, young lady, my dad said from the front seat. Oh, yeah? Where did you hear it? My brother asked. I heard it on the national public radio, my sister said. Oh, Jesus. My brother has a very full laugh. Well, I did. My mom and dad looked like they were watching a tennis match through the windshield because they just kept shaking their heads. They didn't say anything. They didn't look back. I should point out, though, that my dad slowly started to turning the Christmas music on the radio to a deafening volume. You were so full of shit. How would you know anything anyway? You haven't been to college. Kelly didn't go through anything like that. Oh, yeah, like she'd tell you. Yeah, she would. We don't keep secrets. Oh, you're such a sensitive new age guy. I wanted them to stop fighting because I was starting to get upset, so I asked another question. Do you talk about books and issues? Thank you for asking, Charlie. Yes, as a matter of fact, we do. Kelly's favorite book just happens to be Walden by Henry David Thoreau. And Kelly just happened to say that, that the transcendental movement is a very close parallel to this day and age. Ooh, big words. My sister rolls her eyes better than anyone. Oh, I'm sorry. Was anyone talking to you? I happen to be telling my younger brother about my girlfriend. Kelly says that she hopes a good Democratic candidate will challenge George Bush. Kelly says that her hope is the ERA might finally pass if it happens. That's right. The ERA that you always squawk about. Even cheerleaders think about those things, and they can actually have fun in the meantime. My sister folded her arms in front of her and started whistling. My brother was too much on the roll to stop. No. I noticed that my dad's neck was getting very red. But there's another difference between you and her. You see, Kelly believes in a woman's right so much that she would never let a guy hit her. I guess I can't say that about you. I swear to God, we almost died. My dad hit those brakes so hard that my brother almost flew over the seat. When the smell from the tire started to fade, my dad took a deep breath and turned around. First, he turned to my brother. He didn't say a word. He just stared. My brother looked at my dad like a deer caught by my cousin. After two long, after two, a long two seconds, my brother turned to my sister. I think he felt bad about it because of how the words came out. I'm sorry. Okay, I mean it. Come on, stop crying. My sister was crying so hard. It was scary then. Then my dad turned to my sister. Again, he didn't say a word. He just snapped his fingers to distract her from crying. She looked at him. She was confused at first because he wasn't giving her a warm look. But then she looked down and shrugged and turned to my brother. I'm sorry I said what I said about Kelly. She sounds nice. Then my dad turned to my mom and my mom turned to us. Your father and I don't want any more fighting, especially in the family ha family's house. Understood. My mom and dad make a real team sometimes. It's amazing to watch. My brother and sister both nodded and looked down. Then my dad turned to me. Charlie, yes, sir. It's important to say sir at these moments, and if they ever call you by your first middle last name, you better watch out. I'm telling you. Charlie, I would like you to drive the rest of the way to m mother's house. Everyone in the car knew that this was probably the worst idea my dad had had in his whole life, but no one argued. He got out of the car in the middle of the road. He got in the back seat between my brother and sister. I got in the front seat, stalled the car twice. 
and put on my seatbelt. I drove the rest of the way. I haven't sweat that much since I played sports, and it was cold out. My dad's family is kind of like my mom's family. My brother once said it. It was, the, it was like the same cousins, different names. The big difference is my grandma. I love my grandma. Everyone loves my grandma. She was waiting for us in the driveway as she always did. She always knew when someone was coming. Is Charlie driving now? He turned 16 yesterday. Oh, my grandma's very old and she doesn't remember things a lot, but she bakes the most delicious cookies. When I was very little, we had my mom's mom who always had candy and my dad's mom who always had cookies. My mom told me when I was little, I called them Candy Grandma and Cookies Grandma. I also called Pizza Crust Pizza Bones. I don't know. It's like my very first memory, which I guess is the first time I was aware that I was alive. My mom and my Aunt Helen took me to the zoo. I think I was three. I don't want to just remember that part. Anyway, we were watching these two cows, a mother cow and its baby calf, and they didn't have a lot of room to walk around. Anyway, the baby calf was standing right underneath its mother just kind of walking around, and the mother cow took a dump on the baby calf's head. I thought it was the funniest thing I had ever seen in my whole in the whole world, and I laughed about it for three hours. At first, my mom and Aunt Helen kind of laughed too, because they were happy I was laughing. Supposedly, I didn't hardly at all when I was a little kid, and whenever I seen Marmal, they were happy. But into the third hour, they were trying to make me stop laughing. But it only made me laugh harder. I don't think it was really three hours, but it seemed like a long time. I still think about it every now and then. It seems rather... A rather auspicious beginning. After hugs and handshakes, we went to my grandma's house, and the whole dad's side of the family was there. Great Uncle Phil and his fake teeth, and my Aunt Rebecca, who's my dad's sister. Mom told us that Aunt Rebecca just got divorced again, so we shouldn't mention anything. All I could think about was her cookies, was the cookies, but my grandma didn't make them this year because of her bad hit. We all sat down and watched television instead, and my cousins and my brother talked about football, and my great-uncle Phil drank, and we ate dinner, and I had to sit at the little kid's table because there are more cousins on my dad's side of the family. Little kids talk about the strangest things. They really do. After dinner is when we watched It's a Wonderful Life, and I started feeling more and more sad. As I was walking up the stairs to my dad's old room, I was looking at the old photographs. I started thinking that there was a time when these weren't memories, that someone actually took that photograph and the people in the photograph had just eaten lunch or something. My grandma's first husband died in Korea. My dad and my aunt Rebecca were very young, and my grandma moved with her two kids to live with her brother, my great uncle Phil. Finally, after a few years, my grandma was feeling very sad because she had these two little kids and she was tired from waitressing all the time. So one day she was working at this diner where she worked, and this truck driver asked her on a date. My grandma was very, very, very pretty in that old photograph kind of way. They did it for a while, and finally they got married. He turned out to be a terrible person. He hit my dad all the time, and he hit my Aunt Rebecca all the time, and he really hit my grandma all the time. My grandma really couldn't do anything about it, I guess, because it went on for seven years. It ended finally when my grand-uncle Phil saw bruises on my Aunt Rebecca and finally got the truth out of my grandma. Then he got a few of his friends together from the factory, and they found my grandma's second husband in a bar, and they beat him up really bad. My grand-uncle Phil loves to tell the story when my grandma isn't around. The story keeps changing, but the main point is still the same. The guy died four days later in the hospital. I still don't know how my grand-uncle Phil missed going to jail for, what, for doing what he did. I asked my dad once, and he said that the people that lived around his neighborhood understood, understood that some things had nothing to do with the police. He said that if someone touched your sister or your mother, that they'd pay the price, and everyone looked the other way. It just... It's just too bad that it went on for seven years because my Aunt Rebecca went through the same kind of husband. My Aunt Rebecca had it different, though, because neighborhoods did change. My grand-uncle Phil was too old, and my dad left his hometown. She had to get restraining orders instead. I think about what my three cousins her Aunt Rebecca's children will turn out like. One girl and two boys. I get sad, too, because I think that the one girl will probably end up like my Aunt Rebecca, and the one boy might 
will probably end up like his dad. The other boy might end up like my dad because he can really play sports, and he had a different dad than his brother or sister. My dad talks to him a lot and teaches him how to throw and hit a baseball. I used to get jealous about this when I was a little kid, but I don't anymore, because my brother said that my cousin is the only one in his family who has a chance. He needs my dad. I guess I understand that now. My dad's old room is very much the way he left it, except more faded. There is a globe on the desk that has been spun a lot, and there are old posters of baseball players and old press clippings of my dad winning the big game when he was a sophomore. I don't know why, but I really understood why my dad had to leave this house when he knew my grandma would never find another man because she was through trusting and would never look for anything else because she didn't know how. And when he saw his sister start bringing home younger versions of their stepfather today, he just couldn't stay. I lay down on his old bed, and I looked through the window at this tree that was probably a lot shorter when my dad looked at it, and I could feel that what he felt on the night when he realized that he, if he didn't leave, it would never be his life. It would be theirs. At least that's how he put it. Maybe that's why my dad's side of the family watches the same movie every year. It makes sense enough. I should, should probably mention that my dad never cries at the ending. I don't know if my grandma or Aunt Rebecca will ever forgive my dad for leaving them. Only my granduncle Phil understood that part. It's always strange to see how my dad changes around his mom or sister. He feels bad all the time, and his sister and he always take a walk alone together. One time, I looked out the window and I saw my dad giving her money. I wonder what my Aunt Rebecca says in the car on the way home. I wonder what her children think. I wonder if they talk about us. I wonder if they look at my family and wonder who has a chance to make it. I bet they do. Love always, Charlie. December 26, 1991. Dear friend, I'm sitting in my bedroom now after the two-hour ride back to my house. My brother and sister were nice to each other, so I didn't have to drive. Usually on the way home, we drive to visit my aunt home's grave. It's kind of a tradition. My brother and my dad never want to go that much, but they know not to say anything because of my mom and me. My sister is kind of neutral, but she is sensitive about certain things. Every time we go to see my Aunt Helen's grave, my mom and I like to talk about something really great about her. Most years, it's about how she let me stay up and watch Saturday Night Live. And my mom smiles because she knows if she was a kid, she would have wanted to stay up and watch too. We both put down flowers and sometimes a card. We just want her to know that we miss her and we think of her. And she was a spe- and she was special. She didn't get that enough when she was alive. My mom always says, and, and like my dad, I think my mom feels guilty about it. So guilty that instead of giving her money, she gave her a home to stay in. I want you to know why my mom is guilty. I should probably tell you why, but I really don't know if I should. I have to talk about it with someone. No one in my family will ever talk about it. It's just something they don't. I'm talking about the bad thing that happened at home. They, they, would t- they wouldn't tell me about when I was little. Every time it comes to Christmas, it's all I can think about deep down. It's the one thing that makes me deep down sad. I will not say who, I will not say when, I will just say that my Aunt Helen was molested. I hate that word. It was done by someone who was very close to her. It was not her dad. She finally told her dad that he didn't believe her because of who it was, a friend of the family. That just made it worse. My grandma never says anything either, and the man kept coming over for visits. My Aunt Helen drank a lot. My Aunt Helen took drugs a lot. My Aunt Helen had many problems with men and boys. She was a very unhappy person most of her life. She went to hospitals all the time all kinds of hospitals. Finally, she went to a hospital that helped her figure things out enough to try and make things normal. So she moved in with my family. She started taking classes to get a good job. She told her last bad man to leave her alone. She started losing weight without going on a diet. She took care of us so my parents could go and drink and play board games. She let us stay up late. She was the only person other than my mom and dad and brother and sister to buy me two presents. One for my birthday, one for Christmas. Even when she moved in with the family and had no money, she always bought me two presents. 
there were always and they were always the best presents. On December 24th, 1983, a policeman came to my door. My aunt home was in a terrible car accident. It was very snowy. The policeman told my mom that my aunt home had passed away. He was a very nice man because when my mom started crying, he said that it was a very bad accident and my aunt home was definitely killed instantly. In other words, there was no pain. There was no pain anymore. The policeman asked my mom to come down and identify the body. My dad was still at work. That was when I walked up with my brother and sister. It was my seventh birthday. We all wore party hats. My mom made my sister and brother wear them. My sister saw mom crying and asked what was wrong. My mom couldn't say anything. The policeman got on one knee and told us what happened. My brother and sister cried, but I didn't. I knew that the policeman made a mistake. My mom asked my brother and sister to take care of me and left with the policeman. I think he watched TV. I don't think I really remember. My dad came home before my mom. Wide long faces. We told him. He did not cry. He asked if we were okay. My brother and sister said no. I said yes. The policeman just made a mistake. It was very snowy. He probably couldn't see. My mom came home. She was crying. She looked at my dad and nodded. My dad held her. That's when I figured out that the policeman didn't make a mistake. I don't really know what happened next, and I never really asked. I just remember going to the hospital. I remember sitting in a room with the bright lights. I remember a doctor asking me questions. I remember how, telling him how Aunt Helen was one was the only one who helped me. I remember seeing my family on Christmas Day in a waiting room. I remember not being allowed to go to the funeral. I remember never saying goodbye to my aunt home. I don't know how long I kept going to the doctor. I don't remember how much they kept me out of school. It was a long time. I know that much. All I remember is the day I started getting better because I remember the last thing my aunt Helen said just before she left to drive in the snow. She wrapped herself in a coat. I handed her the car keys because I was always the only one who could find him. I asked aunt Helen where she was going. She told me it was a secret. I kept bugging my aunt, but she loved. She loved the way I would keep asking her questions. She finally shook her head and smiled and whispered in my ear, I'm going to buy your birthday presents. That's the last time I ever saw her. I like to think that my aunt Helen would know, would now have that good job she was studying for. I like to think she would have met a good man. I like to think she would have lost the weight she always wanted to lose without dieting. Despite everything, my mom and doctor... My mom and doctor and dad have said to me about Blaine, I can't stop thinking what I know. And I know that my aunt home would still be alive today if she had just bought me one present like everyone else. She would be alive if I were born on a day that didn't snow. I would do anything to make this go away. I miss her terribly. I have to stop writing now because I'm too sad. Love always, Charlie. December 30th, 1991. Dear friend, the day after I wrote to you, I finished The Catcher in the Rye. I have read it three times since. I really don't know what else to do. Sam and Patrick are finally coming home tonight, but I won't get to see them. Patrick is going to meet Brad somewhere. Sam is going to meet Greg. I'll see them both tomorrow at the big boy and then at Bob's New Year's party. New Year's Eve party. The exciting part is that I'm going to drive to the big boy by myself. My dad said I couldn't drive until the weather cleared up, and it finally did a little bit yesterday. I made a mixtape for the occasion. It's called The First Time I Drove. Maybe I'm being too sentimental, but I like to think that when I'm old, I will be able to look at these tapes and remember those drives. The first time I drove alone was to see my Aunt Helen. It was the first time I ever went to see her without at least my mom. I made it a special time. I bought flowers with my Christmas money. I even made her a mixtape and left it at the grave. I hope you do not think that makes me weird. I told my Aunt Helen about all about my life, about Sam and Patrick, about their friends, about my first New Year's Eve party tomorrow. I told her about how my brother would be playing his last football game of the season on New Year's Day. I told her about my brother leaving and how my mom cried. I told her about the books I read. I told her about the song Asleep. I told her when we, about when we all felt infinite. 
I told her about me getting my driver's license, how my mom drove us there, and how I drove us back, and how the policeman who ran the test didn't even look weird or have a funny name, which felt like a jip to me. I remember when I was about to say goodbye to my Aunt Helen, I started crying. It was a real kind of crying, too. Not the panicky type, which I do a lot. And I made my Aunt Helen a promise to only cry about important things because I would hate to think that crying as much as I do would make crying for Aunt Helen less than it is. Then I said goodbye, and I drove home. I read the book again that night because I knew that if I didn't, I would probably start crying again. The panicky type in me. I read until I was completely exhausted and had to go to sleep. In the morning, I finished the book and started crying and then started immediately reading it again anything to not feel like crying because I made the promise to Aunt Helen and because I don't want to start thinking again not like I have this last week I can't think I can't think again not ever again I don't know if you've ever felt like that that you wanted to sleep for a thousand years or just not exist or just not be aware that you exist or something like that I think wanting that is very morbid but I want it when I get like this that's why I'm trying not to think I just want it all to stop spinning If this gets any worse, I might have to go back to the doctor. It's getting that bad again. Love always, Charlie. January 1st, 1992. Dear friend, it's now 4 o'clock in the morning, which is the New Year, Year, even though it's still December 31st. That is, until people sleep. I can't sleep. Everyone else is either asleep or having sex. I've been at watching cable television and eating jello and seeing things move. I wanted to tell you about Sam and Patrick and Craig and Brad and Bob and everyone, but I can't remember right now. It's peaceful outside. I do know that. And I drove to Big Boy earlier and I saw Sam and Patrick. And they were with Brad and Craig. And it made me very sad because I wanted to be alone with them. This has never come up before. Things were worse an hour ago and I was looking at the tree, but it was a dragon and then a tree. And I remember that one nice pretty weather day when I was a part of the air. And I remember that I mowed the lawn that day for my allowance just like I shoveled the driveway for my allowance now. So I started shoveling Bob's driveway, which is a strange thing to do at a New Year's Eve party, really. My cheeks were red cold, just like Mr. Z's drinking face and his black shoes and his voice saying, when a caterpillar goes into a cocoon, it goes through torture and how it takes seven years to digest gum. And this one kid, Mark, at the party who gave me this, came out of nowhere and looked at the sky and told me to see the stars. So I looked up. We were in a giant dome like a glass snowball, and Mark said that the amazing white stars were really only holes in the black glass of the dome. And when he went to heaven, the glass broke away, and there was nothing but a whole sheet of star white, which is bright, brighter than anything, but doesn't hurt your eyes. It was vast and open and thinly quiet, and I felt so small. Sometimes I look outside, and I think that a lot of other people have seen the snow before. Just like I think a lot of other people have read those books before and listened to those songs. I wonder how they feel tonight. I don't really know what I'm saying. I probably shouldn't write this down because I'm still seeing things move. I want them to stop moving, but they're su- they're not supposed to for another few hours. That's what Bob said before he went to his bedroom with Jill, a girl that I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is that all all feels very familiar, but it's not mine to be familiar about. I just know the other. I just know that another kid has felt like this. This one time when it's peaceful outside and you're seeing things move when you don't want to and everyone is asleep. And all the books you've read have been read by other people. And all the songs you've loved have been heard by other people. And that girl that's pretty to you is pretty to other people. And you know that if you looked at all these facts and you weren't happy, you wouldn't feel great because you are describing unity. It's like when you're excited about a girl and you see a couple holding hands and you feel so happy for them. And other times you see the same couple and they make you so mad. And all you want to do is feel happy for them because you know that if you do that means you're happy too i just remember what made me think of this i'm going to write it down be because 
maybe if I do, I won't have to think about it and I won't get upset. But the thing is that I can hear Sam and Craig having sex, and for the first time in my life, I understand that end of the poem. And I never wanted to. You have to believe me. Love always. Charlie. Alright, I'll start part three um, later this week. I hope you guys are all enjoying. Um, please feel free to contact me at readingwjs on Instagram or Gmail. And let me know what you want to hear um, after the perks of being a wallflower, because we only have a few parts left. Alright, thank you.